Hello, uh, good morning, good evening, uh, good afternoon, Elwood City Limits listener. Uh, it's Will here, and thankfully this is not going to be uh, as disappointing <laughs> as you may think. I know that I normally, when it's me starting off the episode of Elwood City Limits, I know that means, oh, I guess they weren't able to do one this week or something. Well, actually, not quite true. We do have an episode of Elwood City Limits coming but, unfortunately, uh, Lucas not able to join me this week, so I had to find a pinch hitter, which we are going to get into in a little bit. You probably guessed it from the name on the title of the episode. It's the Frensky Star is going to be joining me to talk about this episode of Arthur. But before anything else, I wanted to uh, get some of the plugs out of the way up top so that uh, we can talk about the episode just straight on through. So, of course, welcome to the show. Will Young here, as always. Uh, I wanted to make sure to mention that one of the big things this week is Mark Brown's birthday. The the, the Arthur of Author? Oh, no, that's not what I meant. The Author of Arthur is, uh, yeah, is, is celebrating his birthday this week, and I wanted to make sure to get that, not out of the way, but mention it up top so I didn't forget. He was born November 25th, 1946. This year he is 75. Happy 75th birthday to Mark Brown without whom, as mentioned by Vinny on the ECL Patreon Discord, we wouldn't have this podcast, we wouldn't have this show, and I think our lives are richer for all of the uh, great stuff that Mark Brown has given us. I, of course, wanted to uh, quickly mention a couple of emails here before we get started on the episode, as I always like to do. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com if you would like to send us any correspondence. I want to say a special thank you, uh, speaking of those emails, to Casey Cosmos and Lissa, because they were two listeners who followed up with some sources for the Aglet mystery. Uh, that's been happening over the last couple of episodes of ECL. Lucas had some kind of a memory about some cartoon or television show talking about aglets, which are the plastic tips of shoelaces. Well, I think we've solved the mystery. Casey and Lissa found a source of it from Phineas and Ferb, and after conferring with Lucas, he believes that is indeed where he was thinking of aglets from. We'll let him answer for himself on the next ECL where he's able to join us, but uh, thank you, Casey and Lissa. I think you just helped solve a mystery. Uh, Also got one here. This is just going to be very quick from Carter, who is talking about finding us uh, from the Finding DW podcast, uh, Jason Schwimmer's podcast, which, by the way, if you haven't gotten around to listening to the Finding DW podcast. Make sure that you listen to it all. If you like Elwood City Limits, you'll love that show. And how we previously interviewed Dallas Jokic, one of the voices of Arthur. And he was wondering if there will ever be a Finding Arthur podcast. Well, Carter, uh, maybe I'll see if I can put that in Jason's ear. That seems like something that he, Jason clearly, (laughs) has less of a uh, difficulty with... uh, interviewing others. I know that that's something that we're able to do on this show um, every once in a while, but it's not so easy for me as it is someone who is uh, as charismatic and outgoing as uh, as Jason is. So maybe, I don't know. I I know he's a busy guy, but maybe he'll uh, maybe he'll want to find find Arthur someday. Maybe. Anyway, Jason, if you're still listening, that's an idea for you. And one more email here from Yoshi. Dear Will, Lucas, and especially, especially Mike. Okay. I hope you're doing well. Since the last time I wrote, the high school where I teach 
English and Journalism, has gone from online to in-person training, and we've been through a lot of challenges supporting students who haven't been in a classroom in a year and a half. I also moved houses 10 days before this school year started. Through all of this, I've been endlessly appreciative of all the humor, comfort, and stability that ECL and For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast, have provided. Yoshi, one of our patrons, so she gets access to both podcasts. It's been a lot of change, but listening to you has brought me both a lot of comfort. Thank you for creating a space that makes people feel this way. I also wanted to tell you a story from school recently. A few weeks ago, I met a student who I don't have in any class, who was sent my way because he loves Arthur, and I'm known as the Arthur teacher around here. Oh, that rules. Would, would, would that be uh, the Arthur teacher? Sure. Could you parlay that into becoming uh, Ms. Ratburn? I don't know. We had the most enthusiastic and joyful conversation about Arthur, and now he comes and visits my classroom often. Even though in-person learning has come with turmoil over mask mandates and vaccines, this is the kind of interaction I missed when we were learning online. I even told the student to listen to Elwood City Limits, his first ever podcast. He said he enjoyed it. Do you remember a time you bonded with a teacher, classmate, or colleague over something you both really liked, besides each other and Arthur slash wrestling? Well, if you take, oh, she, come on, if you take wrestling out of the equation, I've bonded with a couple of teachers over that. Um, well, yeah, and like say, let's say in a professional setting. Well, and again, if you take wrestling out of that, and uh, I worked at a, I worked at a, at a parking company uh, as recently as last January and I became such good friends with one of my supervisors there over over professional wrestling and this is actually a wrestling focused episode so what do you know um that we ended up <laughs> we ended up quitting the job on the same day and now we're really good friends um but yeah in that same vein um I bonded with somebody at that job over the Japanese Sentai series Common Rider um and in terms of teachers nothing really leaps out at me for uh, immediately i feel like comic books is probably something i also bonded with some professional figures over but that's a couple of instances from my lifetime like i said wrestling is uh, is the great gateway for me uh the forbidden door if if you if you will uh into uh, making friends with people that i may normally have not so don't knock it, but uh, I'll have to I'll have to pitch this uh, question to Lucas when he's back. But thank you, Yoshi. Appreciate your patronage. Appreciate your email. Appreciate that you are the Arthur teacher. And of course, uh, the Elwood City Limits at gmail.com If you want to send in your own email, we always appreciate it, no matter what. Just want to take a moment to say thank you to our patrons. Now, I mentioned For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast. That is our bi-weekly podcast where we basically give the ECL treatment to other PBS Kids shows. The most recent episode that we did last week was on the 2000 to 2003 adaptation of Clifford the Big Red Dog. That was a lot of fun to go through, actually. we uh, It was interesting to go back and remember that time in both of our lives when we were watching the same cartoon, me and Lucas, despite our age disparity. And now, coming up for patrons next week, well, Clifford's coming back because we've got a special ECL double movie review. It's going to be uh, the new Clifford the Big Red Dog movie, followed by Dune? Yeah, what a weird double feature. I'm actually, the the morning I'm recording this, this afternoon, I'm going to the movies to watch both of them. So we're going to see how that goes as like a double feature. But yeah, that's going to be coming up. Uh, Lucas and I are going to see both movies and then we're going to talk about them. Lucas uh, has been talking about Dune for the past several years and trying to read that book. And 
of course, one of the biggest movies of this kind of fall season. And uh, not often that I get out to a movie theater these days. But I wanted to uh, give you guys a little something special, a du- our first ever double movie review. So we'll see how that goes. That's going to be Patreon exclusive next week. Want to give a big thanks to new patrons such as Infra90, as well as returning patrons like Larry Brigitte and Howl Pendragon. We also have others like Ashley and Lauren Rodriguez, Cyril De La Rosa, and Anthony Williams, Anteater21. We have Awesome Eddie21. Oh, we have two 21s. I didn't know that. Emmy the Ghost, Vinny Cataldo, of course, Robert Morrison, Allison Archambault, Nicholas DeMarco, Ursula Katz, and going over to page two, uh, find folks like Yoshi herself, Pretty Cool Stairs, Aaron DeFilippo, Shayna Bennett, and let's say uh, Ian Collis. And Light Relentless. There you go. If you, uh, any of you patrons are like, hey, you haven't said my name in a while, just send me a message on uh, Discord or on Patreon, and I can add you to the next role. It's actually, it's, it's pretty random. If I if I skip you or if I say someone's name twice over these weeks, I'm not, it's not intentional. That's, uh, that's just it. Anyway, that's what's going to be coming up on the Patreon, patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits in the next week, and uh, what we've already put up that you can, that you can check out. Um, and, of course, our emails, I think that's pretty much it. We've managed to say happy birthday to Mark Brown. So I guess from here, we'll just take it over to my recording with the Frensky star. We're going to be talking about McFrensky and the good, the bad, and the binky. Let's do it. Okay, back on Elwood City Limits. And, yes, I do have a very special guest with me today. Um, this, I mean, this is a great opportunity. Sometimes I know that, you know, sometimes Lucas's, Lucas's work takes him to uh, various places around the country and, uh, and, and what have you, and this is one of those times. So it seemed like a good opportunity to get to know somebody who has been a big help to the podcast in the past, I'd say, year or so. And we're going to find out a little bit more about him, and we're going to talk about this episode of Arthur. Please welcome to the show, uh, the Frensky star, a.k.a. Nick. Hey, Nick. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Nicholas DeMarco, and I am the founder and creator of the Frensky Star. And I'm so glad that Will invited me on this episode of Elwood City Limits to talk about Mac Frensky and the good, the bad, and the binky. Well, it actually it actually ended up working out really well because Frensky is in the name of the episode we're talking about. So yep. I was like, well, that seems like a pretty natural fit, all things considered. <laughs> Um, all right. So, in, in case people may not know, I know we've me- we've mentioned you on stream. We've mentioned you in the podcast. So, the Frensky Star is a new and rising star in uh, the Arthur fan community, and I would really like to know a little bit more, Nick, about how the how you decided to start the Frensky Star. When did you decide to start it, and what is your what's your goal with it? Um. Well, I decided to start the Frensky Star. It was. I think the summer of 2020 and uh, I was just in my YouTube suggested it came up with like how to make a really cool like retro 90s looking website Mm -hmm. and I just one day watched it and I saw it and it looked pretty simple like you just use pre-made HTML stuff and I made it and I decided thought oh what should I make the website on? And I thought Arthur was the perfect idea because Arthur's a show that ever since 
I can remember I've been waking up before school and watching Arthur every single morning, and then I come back from school, watch it again, and it's just been so close to my life. So I thought I would create the blog, uh, and actually I didn't create it uh, with a real web domain first. Uh, mm-hmm. I created it with there's this website I forget what it's called, but it just kind of saves your HTML mm-hmm. uh, coding and. Uh, I made it and you can still find it on the internet but people actually found it Uh, I didn't even share about it and they said oh this is a great website and it needs to be a real website so I bought the domain and did it and I really get a lot of uh, inspiration from it from uh, the Elwood City downtown core website yeah Uh, yeah who you visited or talked about on your podcast Mm-hmm. Yes, that was a great time talking to Dave from the Elwood City mm-hmm. Limits Downtown Core. That's so cool. I'm so glad to meet somebody else who was also inspired by that. And you know what? Now that you mention that, I do get kind of those vibes from your from your website. Mm-hmm. And so you are into a lot of you do a lot of episode reviews. Text episode reviews mm-hmm. is uh, what I'm seeing a lot on your Instagram, which is also a big part of your yeah. of your of your marketing. So such as it is. Yep. And now we have more people doing reviews like uh, Guthrie Edson does a ton of reviews for us and he helped us work on that new documentary that we made and uh, also we have Awesome Eddie who makes all the stickers mm-hmm. uh, he did a couple reviews so I think it's really great that uh, people are writing in doing reviews and we have DJ Bob who's working on a piece right now uh, about Arthur, it's only rock and roll that he's gonna. We're gonna release on our website. And if you, Will or Lucas, I know you have the podcast and you do your episode reviews on here. But if you ever have any writing piece you would like to share on the website, just feel free to message us. Oh wow! Okay, I didn't realize that was an option. That's yeah. awesome. Okay, I'm gonna have to flex my writing muscle uh, for Arthur. Haven't done that in a very, very long time. But that sounds that sounds great. And so does the content that you have coming up. Like I said, there's mm-hmm. kind of like a like a little bit of a of a Arthur fan community forming. I mean, I know that it's been active for you know so many years mm-hmm. since the since the show has started. But it seems that in the last couple of years, people like you mentioned, uh, DJ Bob, yourself, uh, me and Lucas, people like Peebs, uh, mm-hmm. just coming together around Arthur news, Arthur updates and uh, and and Arthur in review as we're as we're about to do. Well, I mean, this is kind of a natural question, I guess. We're going to be talking about Francine in the upcoming episode. Given that you're the Fransky star, is Francine your favorite character? Um I don't know if she's my favorite character. She's no. up there in with my favorites. I love uh my favorites are probably Binky, Francine, George, those are my really my three favorite characters. Good uh, pick. Good picks. Mi- yeah. And we have a Binky episode coming up too, which I mean, Binky episodes are always awesome. It's a good it's a good time to hop on. And uh, as I like to ask with everybody, what was your personal history what has your personal history been with Arthur? So we talked about, you know, you obviously like it enough to start your website, which you which you mentioned, but when did you start watching Arthur and what is it that Made, like made you become a fan of it and what keeps you a fan of it um well i started i've been watching arthur for as long as i can remember and uh the first season that i actually remember premiering was this season season 13 okay uh, so it's perfect that i'm doing a review for it uh actually it was the back half of season 13 that i remember premiering i don't remember uh these episodes but uh yeah and i've gone to 
I used to go on the computer and search up like Arthur, and I was on the Arthur Wiki, like mm-hmm. very young, and I saw all the stuff. And I've been on. I used to read the Elwood City Downtown Core when I don't think they were updating it, but it was still up. And I don't know. I've just always loved watching Arthur every morning, and now I've really connected with it and a lot more, and seen a lot more. Uh, and took a deeper dive into the episodes and stuff. Uh, but I also went to, uh, I remember when I was probably five, I went to this Arthur thing uh, at my local PBS station. They were doing an Arthur thing, and they hand, handed out Arthur 10th anniversary stickers. Oh. And I got these collectible books and stuff. Uh, so, yeah, I've always been attached to Arthur. It was actually... It was probably like 2008. Okay. But they were still handing out, doing like Arthur 10th anniversary celebration. I don't know why, but it was, <laughs> yeah, it was like 2008 and they had people dressed up as Arthur and stuff. So, yeah. that's a, That sounds awesome. I'm very, I'm very jealous. I wish I could have gotten something like that when I was in elementary. Okay. We're going to, we're going to let you, uh, we're going to give you an opportunity at the end of the episode to uh, direct everybody to where the Frensky star is online. But I figured I could use somebody of a certain Arthur expertise for this pair of episodes. So the first one we're talking about, as I mentioned appropriately is McFrensky, which I, I mean, I wanted to get, the, I wanted to get this out of the way right off the top because it's impossible to avoid from the name to so many references. Um, this is an adaptation of Macbeth, the classic play by William Shakespeare. Um, Nick, do you have any prior experience with Macbeth prior to McFrensky? Um, yes, I read Macbeth in middle school. So a- after I, I watched this episode, but uh, yeah, I watched Macbeth, but I actually didn't realize until I knew they were quoting it and stuff a lot, but I didn't realize until I went on the Arthur Wiki that um, like the whole plot follows like Macbeth from you know getting a fortune and stuff mm-hmm. I don't want to spoil it too early after we <laughs> go until we go over it but it goes through pretty much the whole thing and I think the Arthur writers must have had a really fun time writing this episode I bet you're right you can always you can always tell with those types of episodes where it seems like the uh, the writers had a little bit more a uh, little bit more juice uh, to go around so um, mm-hmm. that's that's interesting I don't think I read Macbeth until if not high school then like early university so you were really on the early track for that that seems like a, a pretty hardcore play to read in middle school yeah I think we read it in seventh grade which is that yeah that's pretty young it's just, it's just, you know, you uh, like I, I remember watching some of the film adaptations in university, and it can get pretty bloody if you let mm-hmm. it. So, interesting. Okay, hard hardcore from an early age. So the episode starts off with Francine and Muffy. They're going to go get their fortunes told by Prunella. Uh, this felt very appropriate. Uh, the wizard pondering her orb uh, mm-hmm. is is very big these days. That gave me a chuckle. Um, Prunella's doing okay. I don't remember which one it is. There's a there's a different kind. I think it's cold reading. I want to say it's cold reading. Uh, that that kind of psychic technique where you uh, kind of throw out a let's say a mental suggestion and they could latch onto it or not of just of this like the you know you are you are very busy or you're you're trying to balance career and life that sort of thing. So I think Prunella's mm-hmm. doing a little bit of the cold reading. Uh, but but her prediction is that you will meet a 
you will have lunch with a stranger. And then Arthur and Buster come in, ask Francie and Muffy to eat lunch with them, to which Muffy says, Buster's not a stranger, but he's stranger than anyone I know. <laughs> so Yeah, that is a good line. The entire matter of this episode, and you know what? So I have to admit, although the episode is called McFrensky, I didn't really catch on to this until right here. And because I suppose for this, for the cold open, uh, Prunella is supposed to be the weird sisters who is who are the characters in Macbeth who um, predict mm-hmm. the future, essentially. And Prunella is playing that role in one person. So the entire matter of this episode is that Francine is in the lead for a competition called Student of the Month. Uh, she's been apparently gunning for this the whole time. She even taught the second graders softball. And the winner of this competition is going to get lunch with the local weatherman whose name is Thunder McDuff, to to which then I realized, ah, yes, that's why it's called McFrensky. Ah, yes, ho, ho, that's rich. We never get to, (laughs) now, you have more of a knowledge of later Arthur than I do, so this is Mm -hmm. a question I had for you. Do we ever get to meet Thunder McDuff? No, we do not. This is all that we get of him. Bummer. Like, yeah. with, a, with a name like that, I was like, I was picturing, you know, a big gregarious character. So that's too bad. I would I would have really liked to see Thunder McDuff. I mean, unless he shows up in, you know, what little episodes we have yeah. left of the show. But somehow I doubt it. And it uh, says uh, McDuff is supposed to be uh, a play on McDuffie, I believe, from Macbeth. Yeah, the character's name is, is I think, I believe it's just McDuff, which is oh, okay. uh, Macbeth, which is... Um, if I'm not, oh, it's been a while since I've watched. I the 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 film version I'm thinking of is Akira Kurosawa's Throne of Blood. So I'm getting the character names uh, mixed up there. But I believe Macduff mm-hmm. is Macbeth's friend, who he eventually betrays. If I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken, oh god, I, I studied Shakespeare in university. I feel like a bad English. I feel like <laughs> a bad English degree haver now. Anyway, Francine seems all set to win. It's like a point system. It's like the House Cup and Hogwarts or something. Uh, but Brain. Uh, I guess the appropriate way to say this is poop hawks Francine's position by he comes in late, which loses him a couple points. But it was because he was helping to fix a teacher's flat tire and then returning a wallet with money in it. And he even did an interesting science project. It's like a log with hinges on it to show the bugs underneath. I mean, that's that's cool and all. I suppose it's my anti brain bias a little bit Mm -hmm. to be like, we can't prove that he returned the wallet we just kind of have his word to go on yeah i thought it was kind of awkward having brain come in like this uh and brain ruins a lot of things so (laughs) it's 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 only fitting though that he ruins this uh for francine and i don't think i don't think brain really was gunning for uh getting this lunch with thunder mcduff i don't know how much he would enjoy that that sounds like more like a francine and muffy thing yeah you're right i should ask do you have any characters you can't stand we talk about that as much as characters we like um not really i i brain in certain episodes and then prunella in some and rubella in others Uh, those are really my only ones off the top of my head Fair enough. I know that, and, and and it's okay. Like we, I I would never encourage people to have you know least favorite characters on Arthur. Sometimes it just uh, you know you might get annoyed here and there, but otherwise, uh, you, you know it's 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 all it's it's okay if it's all love. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yes, Brain ends up stealing the 
the um, student of the month. He's in the lead. He doesn't take it yet. So Francine and Muffy, I have in parentheses mostly Muffy, create a plot to have Francine win again. And the plot is to, so Buster has this new robot toy. It's very complex. It's got like claw hands. It can talk. uh, It shoots slime, as we see later. And so Muffy plans to have it stolen because she notices Brain has an interest in it, like a totally innocent interest. So they're going to manufacture its uh, theft, let's say, and pin it on the Brain, which actually ends up working. Um, they make they take the robot, they put it in Brain's backpack, and it looks like Brain stole it. And they manage to do this all in front of Mr. Ratburn so that he loses uh, points for both disrupting class when the robot talks in his backpack and for stealing the robot, allegedly. Yeah, this is very sneaky by Muffy. She, and she even like has the remote in her hand and then slips it very sneakily into Brain's backpack so she doesn't get caught. I found this interesting. I um, it's it's very, um, uh, what what is the name? And maybe you're better with names. The episode where Muffy runs for class president. Oh, uh, wait. What is it that you're trying to? So think I, of? I just I just mean that Muffy is acting a lot in this episode, like she was in that one. She's very conniving. She's very underhanded. De- devious. Devious. Yeah. Yeah. I actually wrote that this is like the most devious. Uh, We've seen with Muffy since, like, How the Cookie Crumbles, I think. And that was a long time ago when she turned on all her friends. That's a good That's a good shout, actually. That's a, mm-hmm. that's a really good comparison. It's, yeah, I mean, she has this in her for sure. But we <laughs> just never, it never really comes out until, of course, she's playing the analog to Lady Macbeth, who is, depending on your interpretation, one of the more devious characters in uh, Shakespeare's canon. So she is the one making all the machinations. And in, in this, so one of the things about Macbeth is that you can kind of, it's up to interpretation how much... Macbeth is in on it, in on the plan to, in Macbeth, kill Macduff and become um, the king of Scotland, if I remember that correctly. Sorry, I might be getting, like, little facts wrong. But essentially to assume power. You you know, and I've seen some productions where it's like, he is behind it, and Lady Macbeth is his helper. In other ones, Lady Macbeth is the uh, knowledge behind the throne, and... Macbeth's kind of a patsy. So in this one, Francine is kind of playing the patsy. She's going along with it, but it is mostly Muffy's idea. We even get a little I loved I loved this. This is there's a couple of really, really good Macbeth references in here. So Prunella, uh, they go back to Prunella and see if Francine will, you know, remain the student of the month. And Prunella says, You will remain student of the month until the moon is blotted out in a single swallow. Which, like in the original play, um, I believe the I believe it's when the forest moves towards the castle is when Macbeth will not be king anymore. So something that sounds outrageous. Sounds impossible. Exactly. But in a way, it does end up happening. Mm-hmm. In fact, there's a little quote here where Arthur and Buster tell Francine they're going to launch an independent investigation, uh, so to speak. They are going to they, – they, they feel it's out of Brain's character to steal Buster's robot. So they're going to uh, figure out who actually stole it. And Francine imagines the toy robot, like, looming giant uh, behind Arthur and Buster. And this is – Almost word for word from the from the play, from Act 2, Scene 1 of Macbeth. Is that an alien I see before me, or are you an invader of my mind? <laughs> and and the way and the way it's phrased, you're just like, that 
doesn't sound like like art like francine exactly Mm -hmm. but it works well enough that it's you know it's not completely out of place i really liked that yeah and i was gonna ask you uh you and lucas uh really liked the dream sequences and there were two of them in this one so uh how did you think about how did you feel about these dream sequences well i mean i have the uh, sounds like such a brag. I don't mean it to be. I have the complete works of Shakespeare on my bookshelf. So of course I loved this. I thought this was, I thought this was great uh, with, with the quote and everything. So uh, I I was, I was for it. Did you like it as well? Uh, Yeah, I did like it. It's not uh, my favorite one is when like everything falls from the sky. I think it's in bleep and like the moon, uh, Mary Mukow jumps over the moon uh, that's my favorite one. That's all out crazy. And the one with Arthur and Chains. Uh, but this one was pretty good, too. Um, so at this point, Francine and Muffy are going to try and make a plan to throw off Arthur and Buster and to undermine them. Uh, their plan is to make them look untrustworthy. And again, this is all Muffy's plan. They're doing it in the dark by, like flashlight which is which is a way that again i've seen it staged before like macbeth and lady macbeth by like candlelight are going over this um uh going over this plan this plot uh but but again oh i loved this so earlier in the episode when francine takes the robot out of buster's locker it's she gets squirted with what looks like slime later it's like green ink and francine is having a dream and she's trying to wash off the green ink in the sink, but this is another di- almost direct reference to Macbeth, where there is a scene in that play where Macbeth is trying to wash the blood off of his hands, and that's where we get the line "out darn spot," out or "out damn spot" in the play, and that's what Francine says. She says "out darn spot" when she can't get the slime off of her hands, and then she gets menaced by the toy robot. That was great. Again, another mm-hmm. really excellent reference. Yeah, and the slime, when she tries to wipe it all over, it just keeps spreading, so it keeps getting worse. You're right, and then mm-hmm. and then uh, Muffy wakes her up because she was sleepwalking and uh, and washing her hands in the sink, so it wasn't it wasn't real. Uh, this this the ink was never on her hands at all, which is also the same for Macbeth. Uh, at lunch the next day, we find out, so Prunella's prediction does come true, and Muffy is the one to witness it. The moon being blotted out in one swallow is Buster eating a moon cake in one bite. And the, when I say moon cake, it is literally the same as a moon pie. Or, mm-hmm. you know, for Canadians, it would be a Joe Louie. You know, it's one of those, like, wagon wheel type things. And Buster, <laughs> Arthur even says, like, don't choke on it. Buster eats it in one swallow, which is seems incredibly dangerous. Yeah, he like one throats this whole uh, moon pie. And I thought this was really funny and creative how they use Buster's eating habits to fulfill Prunella's prediction. Uh, that was really creative by the Arthur team. It really like I didn't know where where that was going. I, I was like, I know that they're going to fulfill this somehow, but I don't know how. So it was very interesting to watch. And yeah, it just oh, my, my throat feels tight just thinking about it. Ugh. Eventually, we get near the end of the episode where I believe Muffy's plan is to... She she puts, like, the answers to a spelling bee or spelling quiz, like, near Arthur and Buster's chairs, I believe it is? Yeah. Right, like, on the legs of the desk, maybe. Yeah, basically mm-hmm. plants evidence to make them look untrustworthy. And they are found out, quote-unquote, 
But Francine decides the, the guilt is too much, and she decides to confess. And the girls uh, come clean. Brain jumps to the student of the top of the student of the month. And then at the end of the episode, both of them have to do community work. And the brain gets the gets the lunch with Thunder McDuff and actually invites Francine. But she decides that she's going to go help the second graders with softball because it's fun. She actually enjoyed doing it. She's not just doing it for uh, uh, the the class award. We get it. We get a great line from Muffy here. They're forced to do a little bit of manual labor. They have to, you know, I think rake leaves in the in the schoolyard. Typically, enforced community service is an infringement on my rights, but I thought a court battle would be drawn out and expensive. <laughs> Classic. Yeah, uh, and that's and that's how the episode wraps up. It was, I mean, we'll t- we'll talk about it a little bit more at the end. But boy, I am just so impressed that they fall. I mean, aside from the murders and the fact that Macbeth is a tragedy, they managed to follow the the play quite well. Yeah, and to bring something. I mean, Macbeth, it's good that it's in Arthur because it's such a monumental and classic piece of literature. But, um, yeah, they turn something so bloody into, like, something very kid-friendly with a deep message. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're going to get into the second part of our Arthur episode right after this. Hey, everybody, it's Lucas from the Elwood City Limits podcast. And if you love ECL, there's a couple of ways to keep up with us. You could go to facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits at ECL podcast. That's our Twitter. We take questions on Tumblr. It's elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com. There is an Instagram as well, Elwood City Limits on Instagram. Of course, if you want to donate to the show and get exclusive content, whether that's our full-length commentary of the Arthur movies, our brand-new bi-weekly PBS Kids Review Show, as well as our video game movie reviews with the Sonic movie review and Pikachu movie review, you can check out patreon.com slash elwoodcitylimits. Uh, And that's also going to get you access to the Elwood City Limits Discord, which me and Will like to post in from time to time. And if you want that sweet, sweet Elwood City Limits merch, check out teespring.com slash stores slash Elwood hyphen city hyphen limits hyphen store. You can listen to the podcast at libsyn.com slash Elwood City Limits, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and there's other podcast apps like Stitcher. And if we're not on your favorite app, let us know. And where can you let us know? Well, that's going to be at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. That's also where you can send us a question and we'll read it on the show. Finally, if you want to support the podcast, the best way to do so is to tell a friend who likes animation or Arthur or just podcasts in general and to go to our iTunes page and rate us out of five stars. Apparently, that helps podcasts out. Bye, everybody. So the good, the bad, and the binky. We go from a from a Frensky episode to a binky episode. Like you like you said, Nick, uh, it's a good week to uh, mm-hmm. to be helping me to review this. So we're talking all about what a role model is, or we, we end up talking about that. We actually, this is another we've been we've been mentioning in the past season or two. I think it's may have started in season twelve. There's a lot of they're really using a lot of the Arthur lore. So, mm-hmm. Such as it is, because this cold open is in Pizza Paula's restaurant. Yep, from Sleep No More, which was season four or five. Man, we need you around. If you had asked me when Sleep No More was, I would have been like, uh, 
season six question mark <laughs> I've, I've, I'm, my memory is so bad for that so i'm glad that you have a little bit of a better better memory of that so i mean correct me if i'm wrong like pizza paula's i'm used to it being you know that theme park but I, have we ever seen the restaurant before um i think we saw it in uh is that kosher when arthur wins the uh pizza thing I, but that could have been the uh the pizza land too but let me just check yeah this is the last appearance uh of pizza paula's uh, oh we're, we're gonna we don't, see we don't see it anymore no this is the last appearance according to the wiki and i don't believe we see it after this bummer yeah. well the wiki usually knows what it's talking about i got yeah. some of my information for this episode from there such as buster points out a poster of his role model which is a man named Yamada Taro, who ate 22 slices of pizza in 10 minutes and is the world record holder. Now, I, f- I thought for a second this might have been a real guy. Like, I thought maybe, you, you know, Yamada Taro was a real uh, champion eater and we were going to see him later. But I, do- I don't think so. I-, I-, I also checked the wiki and it seems that he only shows up in this poster. Mm-hmm. Which, too bad. I mean, that could, that could have been an interesting character. Uh but well, again, maybe, maybe in the last few episodes we have left, you never know. Yeah, he and, could have been at the uh, pizza eating competition way yeah, back when. Yeah, keep a lookout. Uh, so this is where DW asks and find out, finds out what a role model is, and she says, and the fact that anyone can be a role model to anybody, and she says, well, there's, you know, there's one person who's my role model, and he's in my family, and Arthur's like, <laughs> oh. Like, I don't know how Arthur, like, made this leap, but he's just like, I'm your role model? And she's like, no, Dad. <laughs> you know, I would have I expected her to say pal before Arthur, honestly. Yeah, that was a good line from DW. <laughs> yeah. And it ends up with Binky coming in and uh, stealing one of Arthur's pepperonis from his pizza. And then he, he kind of ends up taking the whole pizza, really. Yeah, this is, this is a great part. Like, Binky pulls off... He's like, this is going to cost you one pepperoni and takes off the whole, all the cheese with the pepperoni. And it's just bread and sauce. <laughs> Pizza theft of the highest degree. <laughs> and uh, well, as, as if you couldn't tell from the title, it is indeed a Binky episode. So we actually get a continuation from the cold open. Neither of these cold opens in this episode are the ones where, you know, Arthur addresses the camera or we play around with like the meta nature of the show. Uh, we just g- continue where Binky goes to Arthur's place he, in a bid to raise money. He brings Arthur several sugar packets on like a on like a silver dinner tray. Yeah, and many of them are unopened are already opened and they're strewn all across the tray. And and B- and Binky is like, you know, pay pay me for this service that you didn't ask for. Uh, but what he's trying to raise money for is the world of wrestling is coming to Elwood City with their spring SmackDown. But tickets are fifty dollars, which I find interesting because, I mean, obviously, world of wrestling is meant to be a takeoff on the WWE. Usually, for those live events, you can get tickets like the cheapest tickets are still pretty cheap. Like fifty dollars is when you start getting into like the lower bowl territory. Like you can usually go to those shows for uh fairly inexpensive if you don't mind sitting in the nosebleeds but binky is determined to go and he's really needs to find out ways to make cash and arthur gives him a tip that emily emily's parents are looking for a babysitter for her now i i I hope i didn't miss a a line of dialogue here where's like emily talks about her where's mary ellen 
Yeah, I didn't uh, catch that either. I, well, I didn't even realize that. Like, yeah, she normally babysits uh, Emily. Yeah, I don't she's, know what, she might be on vacation. Could be. It's I, like I was almost. I was almost expecting like like uh, like a single line of like yeah she's on vacation or da 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 because Mary Ellen I figured was like almost like a live in nanny situation mm-hmm. from when we've seen her before. Yeah, I think that might be the only or something happened and she had to leave unexpectedly. But yeah, I don't think it's explicitly stated. It's just a little strange. They normally are pretty good about giving like one sentence toss off lines like mm-hmm. that just to explain. So Banky is going to babysit Emily for the night, at least, while her parents are just next door. And they don't exa- they don't exactly gel. Uh, Binky does not make dinner like Marie Ellen does. Uh, she, he doesn't uh, he doesn't quite play along with Emily when she does a tea party. There's a really funny part where um, Binky's watching the clock. He gets he gets off at eight and it's almost seven and everything starts to <laughs> slow down and you just hear Emily go, Isn't that terrible, Selby? I really liked it. Um, because, of course, Emily, Marie Ellen's influence, uses French quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, or at least, like, French affectations. There's even a part later when Binky is reading her a bedtime story and it's, uh, um, oh, bon, bon Nuit... What's Renee. It, what the, Renee, thank you. And, of course, Binky is just like, Bon Nuit Rini. <laughs> and Emily has to practically coach him through, which I found funny because Bruce Dinsmore, who plays Binky, uh, who is a native Canadian and, not to blow up a spot or anything, but lives in the Quebec area, which is the French-Canadian era uh, uh, area of Canada, I love that he has to pretend to not know how to pronounce fairly simple French words, but I'm sure I wouldn't be surprised if Bruce is probably fluent to some degree in French. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Binky is not exactly not exactly into babysitting Emily, but when he gets some time to himself, he watches some World of Wrestling on TV, and then Emily sits next to him and kind of starts to get into it a little bit as Binky explains that it's pretty similar to dance. In fact, we get, we get some more Uncle Slam here, who is, I guess... For you know, lack of a better comparison, he's the Hulk Hogan. He's the John Cena of World of Wrestling. He's always on there. He's a top guy. But we get a little extended piece of wrestling where he fights Tiny Tornado, who is most likely the Rey Mysterio of the Arthur world. He's he's described as you know very very dancer like, very athletic and graceful. Um, but Uncle Slam ends up winning anyways. Uh, so and Emily kind of gets into it because Binky is able to relate it to dance, as we find out later. Uh, Emily's very excited to see uh, Mice on Ice, which is ice ballet, which will end up coming into play near the end of the episode. Um, yeah, and uh, I like how Binky like really builds up Tiny Tornado here, and then like he really does nothing, just jumps basically. Just t- Uncle Slam does like a slight dodge and duck and. Tiny tornado flies out of the ring. In this really like weirdly, sl- it looks like he puts on the brakes in like mid air. Like his his <laughs> descent is very slow. Which of course it's one of those it's one of those um, you know as as much as I know that professional wrestling is not real. This is one of those one of those rules that doesn't apply to wrestling. It's <laughs> like unless it's a very specific type of match when a guy leaves the ring, uh, he doesn't automatically lose. But 
I don't want to get into it too much. That's neither here or neither here nor there. Um, we also get a glimpse of Emily's parents. Now, this is something that Lucas and I spoke about in an earlier episode. But Emily is one of the few uh, characters who has parents that are of two different species, and it's never really commented on. It's never made a big deal of. But I just found it interesting, uh, like an interesting curiosity among all of the Arthur characters. Oh wow! I actually never noticed that. What is uh, her mother, the mother is a bunny, right? The mother's a bunny, and it looks like the father is like a, a monkey. He looks similar to uh, Francine and her family's character design. Yeah, okay, I'm looking at him right now. Yeah, wow, that is very... that You got a good eye for that, Will. I, I think it was just on my mind because we were talking about it in a previous in a previous Emily focused episode. It did come up somehow. Anyway, it I just I just found it interesting and made me kind of take notice there. So I wanted to make sure. Like and I and like I was paying extra attention because I knew that I knew that you were going to be on the show, Nick. And I knew that mm-hmm. sometimes sometimes I let the, I'm not the most observant person. So I was like I got to be on my best behavior because <laughs> Nick's going to notice stuff like that. Um, so through wrestling, they're able to bond a little bit. Binky hangs out with Emily, and he gives her an old Uncle Slam jacket that he had when he was younger. It's um, it's one of those like black leather with red sleeves kind of thing. Almost looks like a varsity jacket. Mm-hmm. And Emily begins to take after Binky in behavior uh, in preschool. She actually bonds a little bit with the Tibble twins over over <laughs> describing and acting out wrestling. And DW is not so much a fan of this uh, because Emily is now a more burpy and shovey version of herself, <laughs> which she attributes to Binky. Um, they even there is a point where Binky and Emily have like a burping contest. Emily burps and she's very um, self conscious about it, but then Binky's like, "Is that all you got?" And then they go back and forth with burps. Um, so the whole thing is that Binky realizes, or Binky is told basically by DW and Arthur that he is something of a bad influence and that goes to his head we get an imagination sequence here as you mentioned nick and it's about binky (laughs) it's a little bit more simple than some Mm -hmm. of the other imagination sequences but it's still it's still good binky imagines himself he's he's in jail it's the whole nine he's got the striped pajamas the striped hat he's behind bars arthur goes to visit him and gives him a talking bionic bunny doll so he can have someone to talk to and then he pulls the string on the doll, and the doll burps. And then Arthur's like, you are a bad influence. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you like this one too, did you? Yes, I did like this one. And, and you're right, it's very simple, but it's done and it's executed really very well. Yeah, you don't need to necessarily make them all t- very complicated. It's just that sometimes you never know when it's going to be something like this or when it's going to be something like, you know, they create this monster with its own name or something, you know, mm-hmm. uh, depending on how they feel, I guess. So Binky realizes his error here and decides to talk to Emily that, you know, some of the stuff that he that he taught her isn't exactly correct. I don't think we, we get so much into that because the the climax of the episode, such as it is, is that Binky, we you know, Binky's been talking about he wants to go to Spring Smackdown, but Emily invites him to see Mice on Ice, which is at the same night like it's, it, they're both at the same time so i'm guessing that these must be at two different arenas essentially yeah because uh i don't know how many venues they have but it would i think you know the one where the backstreet boys played at you would think that they mm-hmm. would two big you know production things would be at that place because it's 
probably the biggest. There's also the one, the venue where you stink, or not you stink. Uh, we stink? B- Bing, no, Binky. Oh, Binky, Binky the band performs. And that one's maybe a little smaller, but it could be there. It certainly could be. Uh, when we've had when we've had the WWE in Halifax, they have been at the both at, at both places. And let's see, wrestling in two thousand eight when this would have aired, I think, or or, or or sorry, when when is season when did season thirteen start airing? Uh, two thousand eight or nine, I believe. Okay, so wrestling around then, not exactly. You know, it's. WWE's doing fine, I guess, but mm-hmm. it's done. It's done better. So I wouldn't be surprised if they had to go to the the smaller venue. If we're doing mm-hmm. a one to one comparison of World of Wrestling and WWE, which we might as well. So for whatever reason, they are at two different places, and Binky decides to forego Spring SmackDown to see Mice on Ice because Emily is like, "Well, we can go to wrestling," and then Binky's like, eh, "All right, we'll go to see Mice on Ice to." Ha- encourage Emily to be herself. That's what he encourages her to do is don't do what I do. Be yourself. And when they go to see Mice on Ice, B- Emily is the one who teaches Binky. Actually, there's quite a bit of wrestling in this, too. It's one of those Lord of the Dance style shows where there's like a there's like a plot line and there's a little bit of action. So Binky ends up getting into it. Yeah, and I thought that was really sweet and big of Binky for him. You know, he was a good person to agree to go with Emily and kind of a, to fix fixes his wrong. I, I don't know if Binky did specifically something very wrong. Just He just showed Emily what he, he liked and was interested in. But, uh, you know, he, he taught that there was a good balance. Like, you don't have to be all aggressive and into wrestling and take it out on other people. And you can also like both things. Absolutely. Um, I also appreciated that I just feel like so many times um, and that this is more in real life when you try to introduce wrestling to somebody or try to explain it, you it's often like, well, it's a little bit of dance. It's a little bit of theater. It's a little bit of comic books. Da, da, da. It's not often that something else uses wrestling to compare itself, whereas Emily is like, yeah, this. This, uh, like, ice dancing is kind of like wrestling in a way that's meant to attract Binky to it. So, I, I don't know. I thought that was a really funny first of, like, there's not often where you can say to somebody, hey, this is like wrestling, and it's a good thing, you know? there, mm-hmm. You know, for someone to compare it in such a way. So, very novel, I thought. Well, that's uh, both of those episodes covered from top to bottom. Uh, Nick, as I always like to do, I'm going to throw it to you. Tell me your thoughts on McFrensky. What did you think of this one as an Arthur story? Um, I really liked it. And after I went to the wiki and saw uh, how much it was like Macbeth, you know, with Prunella making the predictions and then uh, Muffy can convincing uh, Francine to steal and then stealing and then getting into more trouble to like stop Arthur and Buster from finding out. I really like this episode. Uh, the My one problem was it w- with it was uh, it's not really a characteristic that Francine is uh, easily influenced. Uh, you know, she's kind of independent and doesn't take other people's thoughts into much consideration but i was fine Mm. with it because you know there have been times when she muffy has influenced her you know muffy's her best friend and uh 
Yeah, and so I thought I was fine with that. But overall, I thought it was a good episode. Awesome. I liked it, too. I think it's just I got such a kick out of the fact that it's basically just Macbeth for kids. And you Mm -hmm. mentioned it a bit earlier. Arthur's really good at adapting stories to fit its uh, to fit its narrative. We have had it sometimes where it's literally just, well, it's Arthur's version of this childhood story. Mm-hmm. But there are some times where they manage to adapt like, like stuff that you'd never expect, like an Agatha Christie novel or something. They manage to fit it to the designs of the show and do it in a way that it feels natural and that doesn't you know, it's very different from something like Macbeth, but it keeps the spirit. And I thought that it was a really cool way to interact with that. You know, Arthur is one of the PBS shows that is the the most subtle about its educational content. A lot of it is kind of teaching social messages and stuff like that. Which, but sometimes it is literally about teaching you about this story that you may have never encountered as a child. So I really liked it. The You know, if you didn't know that it was a Macbeth uh, I'm going to say adaptation. I was gonna, almost going to say parody, but it's not. It probably plays it pretty straight. If you didn't know it was a Macbeth adaptation, I don't know if it would be particularly strong for you, but knowing that made it so much better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that everybody, it was cool to see everybody play the roles from the play, which I would encourage anybody out there, if you haven't, um, if you're able to read Shakespeare, read it. If not, I would definitely recommend you check out either a stage production or a movie adaptation. Um, in fact, I believe there's one coming out this year, the, the, the Denzel Washington and Francis McDormand. So check that one out if you haven't. I hear it's quite good. Um, is it for which uh, Shakespeare play is it for? I believe it's for Macbeth, if I'm not it's mistaken. Oh, okay. Or no, no. You know what? I'm going to get this wrong, so I'm going to look this up really quick. Um, I, I want to say it is Macbeth, and I believe it's also... Uh, the Cohen brothers, if I'm not mistaken. So that's been on my radar ever since they announced it. So just give me one second. Think that I can. Yes, the tragedy of Macbeth is uh, coming out this year. If it hasn't come out already, yeah. Okay, so it's been around the film festival circuit. It's going to be on Apple TV Plus coming out late, early, early next year, like January. So. Uh, keep keep McFrensky in mind for and see how well they adapted it when you see a more traditional adaptation. Anyway, I uh, I quite I quite liked this one. The English major in me was quite happy, and it was a good use of the Arthur characters in these roles. I think that Muffy, it's it's very interesting when Muffy gets to be a little bit more conniving, and mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, I don't have much more to say about that. Um, the good, the bad, and the binky I thought was. Okay, like it's it, it wasn't really my favorite anything. It is a Binky episode, so I'm going to be a bit more kind to it than normal. But I felt that Binky wasn't necessarily as you know as funny as he normally is. But that's okay. It was interesting to see he has a very good dynamic with the child characters. And in the past, I've been a little bit critical of the episodes that are based around D.W. or Emily or the Tibble twins. So I think the the way to solve that is to put one of the older characters in with them. And Binky, we know that Binky and D.W. have great chemistry. This also turns out Binky is just Binky's just a good character for the kids to bounce off of, whether it's the mm-hmm. Tibbles or Emily or whoever. And it was interesting seeing uh, how Binky can influence people in in the not so great way. It, it felt a little soft in terms of uh, you know stakes necessarily. Not that every Arthur episode needs to have 
big time stakes, but I wasn't so much drawn to the whole thing of like, oh no, Emily's acting like Binky. And I'm like, uh, good. I don't like her that much. <laughs> so have her, have her act like Binky. I don't care. And, but in the end, I think it was, you know, a nice little, a little soft episode now and then is not so bad. And of course I, I really liked all the attention paid to wrestling personally, but uh, yeah, you know, this, this one was pretty good. Not, not amazing, but eh, you know, I, I eh, I'll, I'll leave it at that noise. Yeah, I thought this episode uh, was pretty good. And I think you're right. It's a good uh, duo, uh, Emily and Pinky, because Emily is sometimes played out as the character who, you know, from DW's viewpoint, is like better than her, gets, you know, to have a nanny, has gets a lot of special privileges. So I think it was good that... Uh, she was put with Binky, who's a very likable character. Uh, and they really seem to bond really well together and go well together. And I think uh, also I like, I really liked uh, this cold open. I think that's my favorite part. And the beginning of the episode uh, with the little joke uh, where Binky brings in the sugar packets. Uh, and that those were probably my highlights. So I think I'm pretty similar with these episodes they're both good not you know amazing uh but yeah i think that's what i think and it really shows how binky when he puts his mind to something uh he really can accomplish a lot like how he worked hard he did all these chores to make earn money for the smackdown and i think that's a good characteristic for binky for the episode to bring up time and time again Yes, he at least wanted to earn his money and, and mm-hmm. not steal it. So that's that's always good. Yeah. Binky, Binky does have a bit of an industrious side to him. <laughs> well, that's going to that's gonna wrap it up for this episode of Elwood City Limits. And I want to say, of course, a big thank you to Nick, a.k.a. the Frensky Star, for joining us for this one. Nick, it's been great to have you here. And it's really, I mean, I, I, I'm making it something of our mission to, to promote the Arthur community such as it is. I mean, I know that we're you know a bit of a part of it as as nebulous as it can be but i think that you and others like peebs are mm-hmm. a really big part of it because you do a lot of the work to uh to keep it going so please let everybody know where the frensky star can be found um you can find us on our website is www.thefrenskystar.com uh, that's where we have our reviews the news um and we're going to post a bunch of articles on there. And if you just want a nostalgia feel for a website, you can go to our website because it looks pretty old school. Uh, we're also on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, we also have a Tumblr, too, uh, which I would like to start using more. Uh, but, yeah, that is where you can find the Frensky Star great to know and if you'd like a frensky star sticker you can hit up awesome eddie 21 on instagram mm-hmm. i've got some myself so i'm just i'm just trying to find a good place it's hard to find a good place to put a sticker because mm-hmm. i'm just like well i i don't want to i don't want to lose the sticker forever in case it's on something that i have to throw away or eventually lose you know there's such good stickers but i'll i'll fi- i'll find something so nick again big thanks thank you for pinch hitting for lucas uh and really appreciate your insights and uh your knowledge you're a you're a great part of the arthur community and it's good to have you as uh as a listener and now as a co-host and friend of the show thank you so much for inviting me well this was awesome 
So next time on Elwood City Limits, uh, well, th- and that's going to be coming up in about two weeks. I believe Lucas will be in the clear for this one, and I'm glad because this is going to be a big one. And I'm still trying to figure out exactly how we're going to talk about it. It's The Great McGrady, which is one of the more, as, as I've understood it, I've never seen it before. But I'm to understand that it's one of the more serious episodes of Arthur. And we also know that maybe you can, Nick, actually, maybe you know the season of this. It was recently remade entirely. Yeah, it was just remade in uh, season 24, the last season. It was the premiere of the last season. Okay, so we're going to have to figure out exactly how we want to talk about this, but there is a lot to talk about. It's one of the more noteworthy Arthur episodes from this era of the show. So we're gonna, I'm going to make sure to do some research, going to make sure to probably watch both versions of the episode, and we'll figure out exactly how we're going to present it to you. But that's what's going to be happening, Elwood City Limits. You know what's coming up on Patreon. I said it at the top of the show. And uh, other than that, make sure that you check out the Frensky Star. Follow, follow them on any social media that they're a part of and read their website read their episode reviews who knows you might see a familiar well i I, name i guess i guess my my type my my typing wouldn't be that familiar but uh yeah you might see a familiar name there but otherwise there's some great names who are doing some excellent content over there so for nick and the frensky star my name is will young Uh, i didn't think about how i'm gonna end this episode um i'll just say out darn pod out I say (laughs) we'll see you next time